Yo, I'm Shay Serrano. And I'm Brandon Jinx Jenkins. We have a new show called No Skips with Jinx and Shay. In it, we discuss the most unskippable albums in hip-hop history. New episodes drop on Thursdays, only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to keep your ride or die alive. From supercharges, brakes, exhaust kits, and more, 122 million parts. eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. This episode is brought to you by Viore. If you're sick and tired of your old traditional workout gear, then I have two words that will change everything. Viore clothing. This line of active wear is truly unbelievable. And here's why. Look, you've seen me. You've seen the shorts I do on YouTube. I walk around, I do stuff. I listen to podcasts when I walk. I make calls when I walk. I like to wear comfortable workout equipment, you know, like nothing nuts, just like a really nice pullover, comfortable pants to walk around. Viore is designed to work out in whatever you're doing, but it doesn't look or feel like you're working out at all. It's so freaking soft and comfortable. You'll never want to take it off. And here's the best part. You don't have to take it off. Wear Viore clothing to train, travel, or lounge around the house. I do a lot of lounge around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash ringer. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash ringer. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Korlbeck. Today we are doing the biggest fallers for us in the preseason because mm, hard to rise, but very easy to fall. Sad. Ooh, ooh, fallers. Rough, rough training camps for some of these guys. We're a very positive bunch typically, and you know, today it's time to get a little negative. Yeah. Which of us do you think is the most positive of the three of us? Danny Kelly. Yeah, that's pretty easy, actually. Craig didn't hesitate so, there. Yeah, that was easy. All right. So we've updated our rankings at fantasyfootball.thermira.com. We will continue to do so throughout the preseason. Please go there. We're going to go through some guys that we have dropped in our rankings because of various reasons, which we will discuss. But again, fantasyfootball.thermira.com. All our draft profile preview guide, heart and soul, etc. Draft tracker. Draft tracker. Draft tracker. You can use the draft tracker. Yeah, we haven't talked about this. You can have a draft tracker. So if you want to use our rankings with in conjunction with your draft, you can just check off guys who are drafted. It's like easier than having a piece of paper who has yeah. paper anymore. And you're crossing it off. You can just check and make them go away and you can save players. The draft checker is really fun. Check it out. A lot of features and we got our top targets coming next week on the draft guide. Really excited for that. Okay. So again, doing fallers. Now this doesn't mean that like, just cause a guy's a faller for us that we don't like them at all. Don't draft them at all. It means like we don't like them where they're currently currently being drafted. We don't like them at their current value. Doesn't mean we hate the player. Or actually, right. I don't know. I don't it know. It could Craig mean we hate the, the player. player. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, you can't we'll, rule out that we we'll hate stipulate. the player. We'll stipulate. Yeah. Let's be clear. We might hate the player and where they're being drafted. Correct. So we'll, we'll, maybe we can specify. So what do we each do? Right. Do we each bring three fallers here? That's nice and that's nice and simple. Yeah. Well, nine's a weird number. Well, there's three. Might of as well go to ten. I guess we're lazy. It's okay. <laughs> this one, uh, <laughs> yeah, this one goes to ten. Uh, all right. If it's you, start. Yeah. All right. I'll just go first. All right. So I'm faller. This is kind of cheating, but it's not. Derrick Henry for the Titans. Mm. Barely okay. fall from like three to four. 
However, one could have fell more. Two, it's a big deal in the top five when yeah. you move down a spot. So our latest rankings, we have moved Zeke ahead of Derrick Henry. I'm very happy about this. I've had Zeke ahead of Henry for a little bit. I think it's simple. If you have, uh, if you're in the first half of your draft this this year, in the first half of the first round, Christian McCaffrey is the easy pick at one. Dalvin Cook is the fairly consensus easy pick at number two, and then you're at three, and it's like, what do you do? I think you want to pick Zeke this year, and I think Derrick Henry at three is a little too high, and it's. It sounds crazy because Derrick Henry had 2,000 yards last year. He had 17 touchdowns. He led the league in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. He also did that the year before. So it's like, why would he not be the the third (laughs) guy? But the answer is simple. Despite leading the league in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns last year, he was still the third running back in points per game, like behind Kamara and Dalvin Cook. I mean, and McCaffrey, if you want to toss in three of those, he's technically fourth. It's true. Think about, I mean, 2,000 rushing yards and 17 touchdowns, and he still wasn't the leader in points per game. I can't <laughs> believe I've become the, look, he doesn't catch passes guy, but here I am. I found this, he uh, this is crazy. He really doesn't. So I, this crystallized it for me. Ezekiel Elliott caught more passes in 2018 than Derrick Henry has in his career. Hmm. I mean, it's simple. You're essentially saying Derrick Henry needs to run for 2,000 yards and 17 touchdowns every year to be a top five running back. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like, I, look, it's two years in a row. We've said regression, regression by Derrick Henry. But this year, I, for the third year in a row, it's different because they have a different coordinator. So I think that's troubling. They got Julio Jones. And also the defense is going to be worse. I think they're going to pass more. Not to mention all the things that can go wrong with a running back, which I'm not even talking about here right now. I've, I'm just so much more into Zeke. And I think there's a huge discount on Zeke because he had a bad year last year. There's this recency bias. But realistically, if we're looking to 2021, Zeke is falling to like, the outside the top five in some drafts, that is a steal. I would take him at three ahead of Derrick Henry. And if he's falling in the middle of the first round, I want Zeke all day. I got to say, so this is, this is going to, what, what now follows is not actually actionable advice. So don't take it as that. I watched okay. the Titans play the Falcons in preseason week one. Maybe the saddest game of football I've ever watched <laughs> in my life. It really? was the worst game. <laughs> I think it was more the Falcons just look completely inept. But like, honestly, the Titans, they didn't play like hardly any of their starters, if any. I, they might have like sat all their starters. Um, and it was just like the ugliest, most boring game I could ever imagine. So the vibes for me around the Titans right now are not strong. Also, say that. To, to kind of piggyback on that, over the past three seasons, Derrick Henry's averaged 11 and a half more fantasy points per game in wins than losses. Mm. When they lose, he averages like 10 fantasy points a game, which is like borderline yeah. a flex. So this like- like the Josh Jacobs Weird flex, thing. but okay. Yeah. It's a weird flex, but okay. That We should do a flex rankings and we call them weird flex. We need flexes. to do a weird flex ranking. <laughs> uh, but like if the Titans aren't that good this year and Derrick Henry's, I mean, they're not running him 25 times a game. It can get a little scary quick. Yeah. So, wait, uh, we have to go back for a second. TK, you've watched thousands of football games. Why was the Titans-Falcons the worst <laughs> vibes you've ever seen in a football game? Dude, uh, I don't know. It, I think it was more, honestly, it was more the Falcons. Just, like I said, w- could not do anything. AJ McCarron looked horrific at quarterback. Oh, I got to <laughs> move him down like, in my ranks. It was the ugliest game I've ever seen. Um, and it was just, like, so boring. And I don't know. The, it, this, I, this is actually tongue-in-cheek. I don't actually think it matters. But I'm just saying, this game was hard to watch. All right, so we're ta- while we're talking the fourth pick, we got an email from Ryan. He says, with the fifth pick in a redraft, 12-team PPR league, assuming that Christian McCaffrey goes first, Dalvin goes second, Zeke goes third, am I crazy to consider taking Aaron Jones over the other running backs like Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley? I want safe and consistent pick with that first rounder. 
When you read my, when my top targets comes out next week, you will learn that I don't think that's a crazy <laughs> idea because I once again love Just Aaron Jones this year. Going so. back to the well. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it's crazy. It's not crazy. I personally would take Kamara over Aaron Jones, but I, you know, I think Aaron Jones is, you know, like Craig is going to lay out very beautifully in this in this upcoming podcast. Like he's just so efficient. He's so Jones? like points over expe- expectation. Aaron Jones, yes. Um, he's proven like Kamara, like to the ability to score touchdowns is a skill for him. And so I don't know. Yeah, I I think he's in that offense with Aaron with Aaron Rodgers back and and everything sort of like all systems go. I think he's he's going to be huge. Also, there's a chance he just catches more passes this year. Because Jamal Williams is gone. Yeah, right. And everyone likes AJ Dillon, but the, I mean AJ Dillon is not the receiver that Jamal Williams was. So even if Aaron Jones loses carries, I think he might tick up in catches. And we all know catches are more important than carries. And also, like the Packers were like the most efficient passing team in the red zone last year. If that regresses back to the mean, Aaron Jones could end up, you mm. know, having kind of a more similar year to 2019 than he did to 2020, even though he was good in both. He's the greatest running back of all time. <laughs> yeah, okay. Just throw that out. No, I well, you might get fired. I mean, Bill Bill thinks it's Saquon still, even though I've watched him with my eyes. I still think on any given play, like Saquon still has like the, the most impressive single play than any other running back. Saquon is the YouTube running back. I love him with I love him so much, but the reality is he's a perfect YouTube running back. Yeah. He's like the guy dunking in warm-ups. Exactly. Okay. Well, all right. While you're on a roll here, Craig, take us through uh, another faller for you. All right. It's Jonathan Taylor, who we previously had at 13. Now we have at 15. Again, we're kind of splitting hairs a little bit here, but it does matter. And I would say he's lower in the expert rankings, but this, I mean, in, in Yahoo's, he's at 12 and at ESPN, he's still at eight. So us having him at 15 is a significant drop. I kind of see him. I mean, he's officially in the Nick Chubb, Saquon, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris range. I think that's right. They're kind of the guys who, from a talent perspective, have it all, but there's just a lot of question marks surrounding the team and their usage. So we all know, Frank, we've talked about this till we are, we've been blue in the face. Frank Reich likes using more than one running back. And we have Marlon Mack coming back, who's going to probably spell him in the same way Jamal Williams did with Aaron Jones. And then we have Naeem Hines, who's like probably maybe the best third down receiving running back in the league. Jonathan Taylor had a great second half of the year last year. It was kind of lucky. They had a really easy schedule. His expected fantasy points were way lower than actually what he put up which was much higher. He's just not on the field that much. He, he, you know, he averaged a 50% snap share last year. That was lower than Austin Eckler, late season Antonio Gibson, lower than Miles Sanders. He played 60% of the team snaps three times all year. It just needs to tick up. He needs to play more yeah. to be considered in that range of first round running backs. And he doesn't. And uh, I'm not as confident that he'll be as efficient as a receiver that he was last year, which isn't crazy to say he caught 92% of his targets. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, mainly because Phillip Rivers isn't the quarterback, who's a dump-off king. In the last three Mm -hmm. years, Phillip Rivers dumped off the second most of all quarterbacks, and Carson Wentz, who's now the quarterback, did it the 28th most. So, like, I just think the offense is going to look a lot different. I don't think they're going to be as good. Quentin Nelson is hurt. Wentz might not even be the starting quarterback week one. Um, It's nothing to do with Jonathan Taylor's talent, but the amount he plays, the amount he's going to catch the ball— and the offense in general, I think, are all kind of red flags that kind of lay him in the early to mid-second round for me. He's a, he's another guy like a, that might be a little bit game script dependent too. Like if they're losing and they need to go to like a pass-heavy style, you know what I mean? It, I think because I think a lot of people over the summer, especially, were just like the Colts are going to be really good. They're going to have really good defense. They're going to run the ball. They're going to have a lot of leads. That's going to lead to a ton of Jonathan Taylor. Um, I'm definitely rethinking that that idea or that theory that they're just going to be this really strong, good team that's going to be leading a lot. Um, 
you know, especially like you said, if Wentz isn't the starter week one. So I don't know, Jacob Eason, if, if Jacob Eason is the starter, you know, it just feels like they're going to be playing from behind a lot. And that's going to really hurt, I think, Jonathan Taylor's bottom line because he's not going to be the primary pass catching back in, in likelihood. I think it's probably going to be Naheem Hines. So um, I'm, I'm 100, 100% with you on the talent thing. And I think a lot of people want him to turn into, you know, the next whoever, like Adrian Peterson type guy who's just going to win you a lot of leagues. But I'm worried that he's falling into like the Nick Chubb category of running backs where... You know, he's he has a very declear, clearly defined role. He's an elite runner, but not an elite fantasy piece. Yeah, you know, he's a real-life football asset more than he is a fantasy one. Okay, DK, you want to give us another faller? Yeah, sorry, Heifetz, but I'm going to have to say Kenny Galladay from the Giants. He has fallen down uh, seven spots in our rankings. It's probably, it, he probably should be falling a little bit further than this, to be totally honest. <laughs> um, we might have to rethink this even more. Um, so he pulled his hamstring a couple weeks back. It looks like a two- to three-week injury. Um, but as you know, ha- hamstrings are always a bit tough to predict, you know, just, you could re-injure it. Um, you have guys that take longer to come back from this injury. It's a huge muscle. Uh, if you don't properly lubricate it, as we saw with Will Fuller last year. Right. Um, so you have to lubricate your muscles. I feel like people are going to actually start believing that that's a thing. It is a thing. I don't know what you're saying. It is a thing. You have to lubricate your, your muscles. Hamstrings. Did you not read Will Fuller's Instagram? <laughs> Health class in high school? Lubricate your muscles. What are we lubricating it with, buddy? I believe in Whatever science. Whatever it takes. DK. Like WD-40? Um, so there's that. There's the injury, which is a concern, and I think it will remain a concern for a little while. Remember, this is a guy who only played five games last year. So there's just a lot of, I guess, uncertainty around the health. In addition to that, this is the narrative. He's a guy on a new team in a new offense. We don't really know how that's going to work. Last year, he was paired up with like the last couple of years. He was paired up with literally like the perfect type of quarterback for him, a deep ball passer in Matt Stafford, aggressive. We'll throw it into coverage. We'll throw it into tight coverage. He can go up and get it, blah, blah, blah. Now he's with Daniel Jones, who is decidedly not Matt Stafford. What are you uh, saying, DK? <laughs> this what are you saying a, about Danny Jones? This is not... It has not been, uh, to this point, a very vertical, aggressive, downfield offense. Like, Daniel Jones is not known for that yet in his DK career. DK is the nicest. You're right, Craig. That right. was the nicest way he could have put that. <laughs> Being political here. Um, and then, you know, basically the reports prior to this injury had been that Galladay and Jones had just really struggled to get on the same page. They just hadn't been linking up in practice. They haven't looking good. Um, I saw from Tom Rock, Tom Rock from Newsday, Quote, the Jones to Galladay connection trumpeted in the offseason as a harbinger of great improvements for the offense has yet to flash any of the explosiveness within the confines of team snaps. He he mentioned that they had been like linking up like afterwards and, and practicing, but um, it, from Rock, it says it's gotten to the point that the defense is practically taunting Galladay about it with cornerback J- uh, James Bradbury quipping that at some point in camp, he might have to let the receiver catch a pass or two. This is getting... This is yikes. This is getting into like the yikes area of of training camp. It's just not looking good. Um, and that's not like that's not the only report. Like it's a like I said, a steady drumbeat had been that he just wasn't really showing out, hadn't really um figured out a way to get chemistry with Daniel Jones. I think, you know, there's just a million variables at play here, and none of them really feel like a like a big positive. Like you're you're in an offense that's uh being called by Jason Garrett, Daniel Jones to this point has been pretty bad in his career. 
you know, the, the team change, the injury. Why is he so high, actually? Why do we have him in the 50s? He should probably be much lower. My uh, my friend texted me, who's a Giants fan yesterday, and just said, the Giants are going to suck again, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you think about the positives for Kenny Galladay, it reminds me of when you're looking at, like, real estate listings. You know that, like, when you're looking for, like, a house or something, you want to look at the descriptions that are specific. Like, you want specific things that are mentioned because when yeah. it's like spacious and like beautiful and, and like all the vague descriptions you're like oh man they have nothing actually to describe this house in positive way like there's no specific things about the house that are good that reminds me of kenny galladay quaint with the means giant. it's tiny quaint means yeah there's all these coded <laughs> words with galladay it's just coded compliments which mm-hmm. none of the compliments since kenny galladay have signed with the giants until now none of the positives the optimism has been specific it's all that you know he's good at the jump balls and they paid him a lot of money and he's gonna be their number one none of those things are like specific positives cozy master bedroom <laughs> it's a bad house a lot of potential. A lot of potential. Make it your dream. <laughs> Close drive to coffee shops and delis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Centrally located. For the person with the right vision. It's... Fixer Upper's dream. <laughs> unbelievable, man. Okay, oh, Craig, no. let's move. For the love of God, let's move on, please. I Craig. wanted to talk about Kadarius Tony, too, but we're not going to want to talk. We want to no. talk about the Giants. Used to, we talked about the Giants. Okay. We're talking about Kadarius Tony. He... You cannot determine if someone's a bust or any of this stuff. However, sure, it is hard to think of like a training camp where a player shows up, but like, it, like, and you know, it, 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 it's I, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. I've been having a stroke. I love this. I like, this like, is amazing. Okay, I just, I'm, I guess I'll just say it this way. <laughs> Sorry, I for a first round pick who is presumably like healthy, like there's been injury stuff, but he's not like out for the season. I can't remember the last time there was a rookie that I have not read a single positive thing <laughs> by what is today? August 17th. I have not yeah. heard one positive thing about Kadarius Tony. Basically, he caught a pass. New York Giant. He I, caught I, a pass. I saw he caught Kenny a pass. Kenny Galladay hasn't done that yet, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, Chase Bradbury's got to let him do it. I, I just, have you heard one positive thing about Kadarius Tony, this person that the Giants no. took with the not the, even, the first not even a little. To be honest, the second he was drafted by the Giants, I was just like, that's nah, not going to work. <laughs> well, the, the first one was like, well, was he a first rounder? And then word leaked that the, like Urban Meyer was heartbroken that Kadarius Tony was gone. And I'm like, hmm, well, I wonder if that's a good sign or a bad <laughs> right. sign that Urban Meyer was the one who was like, damn. So uh, today, so this is on Tuesday, Jason Garrett, this is per Jordan Renan. Jason Garrett was asked if Kadarius Tony is falling behind because of all the missed time. Garrett's response, it is what it is. Aish. Like, Carl, you, if you guys have seen the Irishman, you know what that means. <laughs> I just, uh, I just yeah, every now and then good. also, I imagine this just happened to a lot of people. Do you guys just have those moments where you just like black back in? You're like, whoa, Jason Garrett is running the Giants offense? Because it happens to me every day. Like the best part of my yeah. day every day is like the two seconds when I wake up and you know you forget who you are and it all sure. comes flooding back to you. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm Danny. I exist. Like... <laughs> I thought you were about to be quoting uh, Goodwill Hunting there, but yeah. Yeah, no, the three seconds every morning when I wake up before I remember that Jason Garrett is running the Giants offense are the best three seconds of my day. <laughs> okay, Chucky. Uh, I I can't forget that Jason Garrett is the OC of this because uh, literally every single day I start laughing whenever I see people uh, tweeting out the picture of him with his head out the window of a train. 
And just like every stupid thing the Giants do, it's just here's a picture of Jason Garrett and his head, with his head on a train, like he's like a really happy puppy that's like on a car ride or something. No, we screwed up, guys. He insists that we, he wants us to call him Coach. I'll call him Coach Jason oh my Garrett. God. That was just the cherry on top of just like an atrocious. I'm telling you, he's squeezing the rag as dry as he can because he knows he's never going to be a coach again. <laughs> I just, so, I, I. By ugh. the way, can we get one, one like real question and like actual fantasy like something that might be actually fantasy relevant this year because i think tony is out galladay's falling do you think heifetz i'll ask you since you're the fan of the giants do you think this is good for sterling shepherd darius slayton do you think these guys could maybe step up in their absence evan ingram yeah it is no, ingram. if, if galladay's out shepherd is certainly the uh the beneficiary here i think it's better yeah. in full ppr leagues because shepherd shepherd is like a high target floor like he just gets a lot like they throw the ball to him a lot i'm gonna lie healthy. i kind of like shepherd this year He's he's not like a deep threat at all, and I don't necessarily know if he's even going to be a red zone thing. He's one of those things that's always been better as an idea than an actual player, but I will say that you always want to be flexing receivers if you can, and I will say about Shepard as a flex is he's not the Mike Williams guy. Usually, he's going to get you three points. Like He'll always get you like eight. Yeah. It's just he very rarely gets you 15. <laughs> right. So I don't know if that's the kind of player we like to throw a late-round dart at is like the safe guys. You usually like like... The higher upside guys, having said that, if you do need a safe player, like Sterling Shepard is a good option for a, a relatively high floor with Galladay out. But mm -hmm. and also Evan Ingram probably is. I hate to say it at tight end. Like at the end of the day, like Evan Ingram almost led this team in every receiving category. He did not, but he really was close. And, you know, it's not hard to envision Evan Ingram, who's very like we always say athletic tight ends. And I've banned that word, but I believe he is one of the four fastest tight ends he in is. the NFL. He's fast. He is like one of the four or five fastest uh, by forty yard dash, so you could do that. But I'll I I think legally I'm not allowed to endorse the New York Giants as fantasy this year. <laughs> Just I've, I know too much. Okay, fair enough. All right, we can move on. Okay. Thank, thanks. Now we can move on after you've opened all these wounds that were scarred <laughs> over. No just longer. Like, Fitz was having like just like an aneurysm there. It was just like unbelievable. I, 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 I was I, like, oh no, the Zoom <laughs> broke up. And I was like, wait a minute. He's just doing that. <laughs> all right, who's next? Okay, uh, my faller here is uh, Mike Evans on the Bucks. Mm. The thing that stands out to me most is that Mike Evans scored 13 touchdowns last year, the most of his career, played all 16 games, and was the wide receiver 13 in points per game. We have him <laughs> yeah. ranked at the wide receiver 14 this year, as does ESPN. I think that should be lower, and it will be lower when we refresh our rankings next. Mike Evans had the lowest targets per game of his career, yards per game, and target share of his career. Hmm. And by a large margin... I just think this year with the Bucs, obviously there's a Super Bowl, Super Bowl hangover thing. I'm not really going to use that, but it's more of you know natural statistical regression. Tom Brady threw for 40 touchdowns, third most of his career, and everyone is fully healthy. Antonio Brown entered the, the season halfway through last year for Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. O.J. Howard tore his Achilles. Uh, Chris Godwin was banged up. They've added Gio Bernard. Scotty Miller's still there. Cameron Braid's still there. Gronk is back for another season. I just don't think that a wide receiver 14 value is is really reasonable for somebody like Mike Evans, who is incredibly dependent on the touchdown. And last year, it's not like any of those numbers skyrocketed in terms of red zone uh, targets, goal line targets. Like it was all the same that he's pretty much had his entire career. He just was incredibly efficient. I don't believe that's going to happen again. And with all of these surrounding factors kind of mixing into it, I think Mike Evans is a more of a wide receiver, closer to wide receiver 20 for me. It's hard for me to dispute this. He's kind of a weird one because he's always like actually really consistent 
Um, you know, he always gets over a thousand yards, blah, blah, blah. He's clearly one of Brady's favorite. Well, he's not super consistent with touchdowns. I mean, he's had 12, three, 12, five, eight, eight, 13. Yeah. He's consistently a big threat in the offense. And like what, how many seasons has he played? He's had a thousand yards in every season so far. Yep. Um, so I don't know. It's tough, but like, yeah, you're right. His, his target rate was really low, at least for like what we'd consider an alpha style receiver last year was like in the 17s or something, um, 17%. And that's just like, you're not going to be able to keep that up. I think, yeah, like you're saying, he was way too dependent on, on touchdowns unless something changes, unless the Buccaneers have an injury at the receiver position. They also have a lot of depth there. So maybe another guy steps in, even if they do have an injury. Um, so I don't know. It is. It's tough. The thing with Mike Evans is in fantasy. He is the best receiver in all of fantasy football that might get you two catches for two yards, and you'll be like, "Yeah, that happens with Mike Evans." Like you know what I mean? Like if <laughs> Allen Robinson gets you two catches for two yards, you're like, "What is he hurt?" And Mike Evans, it's like, "Yeah, he does that a few times a year." Like remember when we called him a fullback last year because he had two different games, yeah, with two catches for like two touchdowns and like that was it two yards this man last year had week one he had one catch for two yards and a touchdown week three (laughs) he had two catches for two yards and a touchdown week five one catch for 10 yards like that i'm i'm not doing that and depending on him scoring touchdowns if i remember was he going through hamstring something at the time but the point is he was banged up however i'll say this i think on one hand he's really good and i think the bucks will be better uh, next year, and that those games were in the beginning of the year when the Bucks' offense was really fachaded. Uh, however, I think what's interesting about this is Brady. I think that it's important to remember the difference between like bad quarterbacks and good quarterbacks. And one of the things that good quarterbacks can do is they can just process the reads faster. Spread the ball around. Yeah, they spread the ball around. So like, if you look at the Packers, Devontae's force-fed, and then everyone else in the Packers receiving core is kind of not really good for fantasy. Like, it's spread out too much. Like, Robert Tunyon last year was good, but only because he had like 12 touchdowns, like 50 catches. Most of these guys don't get consistent enough balls. Drew Brees, it was like Michael Thomas and then all the other Saints guys other than the Camara were just like, they don't get the ball enough. The Bucks, it's interesting because Evans and Galladay, or, or sorry, Evans and Chris Godwin are both right there. And then Brady just spreads the ball around too much. And I think that's kind of the issue is that Mike Evans has the talent on par with the guys above him. And so it's hard to pass on him. However, the consistency isn't quite there. And ironically, because Tom Brady's so good. Also, I kind of think we're not factoring in the the fact that Antonio Brown is there for a full season with a full offseason and is perhaps yeah. the greatest wide receiver to ever play football. I mean, he was it's good true. in the final eight games of the season. I think he could be a sneaky value. I will say this. For all of Antonio Brown's... I, I'm trying to think of the word. I, all the stuff that's just happened that has led to him being on like four different teams, some of which is absolutely awful if you look into the details. The cold reality is... He actually hasn't declined as much as you think. Like he's actually somehow, some way managed to like actually like maintain in pretty good shape and pretty good receiving health. Like he's a lot closer to that Pittsburgh form than you would think based on how wild the last few years have been for him. Also, Brady like clearly wants him to be a big part of the offense. Like he let him come live in his house and things like that. It's just, you know, that is the situation. Brady wants him to be a big part of this offense. And he, he was like a big part of the reason that Antonio Brown is in Tampa Bay. It's a good point. Like we talk about the, who has the best receiving core in the league. Like, oh, is it the Bengals with T Higgins, Jamar Chase is the Cowboys, is CD. It's the, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It is yeah. like Antonio Brown is their third receiver. So I think yeah. that's a good point, Craig. This episode is brought to you by eBay motors. eBay motors has everything you need 
to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. All right. Well, while we're talking about receivers, I'm going to, so a couple fallers. This is cheating, but I think it's, again, it's important when you're in the top of the round. I have A.J. Brown from the the Titans at receiver and then D.K. Metcalf at Seahawks. We dropped them each two spots from 18 and 19. A.J. Brown was 18. D.K. Metcalf was 19. We have them now at 20 and 21. And now we've also moved Antonio Gibson, the running back from Washington, and and Najee Harris, the running back from Pittsburgh, above them. So we're basically saying we have Gibson and Harris above A.J. Brown and Metcalf. I think that's an important distinction because for me, that's how I'm going about my drafts. It's not because I don't think A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf will be good. It's because I think that receiver... There's it, Antonio Gibson and Najee Harris are the la, really the last kind of group for me in that top two rounds of running backs where you're getting a huge advantage in what they're going to give your team. And then mm-hmm. the next three, four rounds, basically from pick 20-ish, yeah, give or take, to like 60-ish, 70-ish, something like that, you generally want to be going receivers over, or if you can find a quarterback that's really good or a tight end really good in that value. And that that's the line to me. Once Gibson and Met and uh, Harris are gone, I want to be looking at AJ Brown and Metcalf, but I won't look at them until like the Najee Harris and Antonio Gibsons are off the board. Yeah, we've essentially added the Antonio Gibson and Najee Harris's into the not outside of the dead zone. We pushed them out of the dead zone and into the hot zone, which then you know there has to be some sacrifices, <laughs> and that would be AJ Brown zone. and DK Metcalf. Yeah. And so to be clear, it's be, it's not that we dislike the value of where AJ Brown and Metcalf are being drafted. It's because we dislike them as people. We hate them personally. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's 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 not a value quest. It's we actually mm. just don't like them. That's is that where we're Imagine at? these these are like two of the most likable receivers in the NFL too. I love that. I think DK what like if fit. you think 15 years from now like I think I was watching the Little League World Series and it's funny to hear the ki- like all the kids just name their favorite players. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to hear who they are and like I really believe that 10 years from now the guys like most people this age, I don't know if it's a poster on the wall anymore. I guess it's your phone background or whatever, but like I think DK Metcalf is easily going to be the most iconic player. I know. Yeah. I want to look up jersey sales. Like, like I'm, I'm wondering if DK Metcalf is going to kind of beat out my West Coast bias 
thing where West Coast wide receivers. Yeah, he's got he's got everything about it. Just kind of works. He's just cool, man. He has like the the cross earring, the he, visor. It's an, yeah. he has an, the the visor look is an iconic look. Like he just looks like a creative player in Madden. He's got the binky mouth guard, bring, <laughs> bringing back that. binkies, pacifiers, binky mouth. And all of that is the only reason all of that works is because he's absolutely massive. Huge. <laughs> do, do you remember when he, he ran started in that, as a meme? It, that's that's what's key. You can't be famous these days unless you start as a meme. That's why our ceilings are capped. Do you remember that other? There was a linebacker or like a defensive end on Baylor, and he wore that like short little shirt while doing the coin flip, and everybody freaked. Sean Oakman. Yeah, Sean Oakman. He's huge. I th I think that's who you're talking about. Yes, but I know. But that, I don't even think guy. he yeah. got drafted. Like DK Metcalf was that if it worked out. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> Do you guys remember when he did his sprint over the summer? He looked like twice as big as everyone else. It's on unbelievable. Track. It was so weird. I think I there was a video of him doing like a, a box jump on one leg and he jumped like 44 inches on one leg. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Dude, all the, the all the videos these guys post on like Instagram where during their workouts in the offseason are always insane. Like I from the Miles Garrett box jumps are actually some of the craziest <laughs> stuff I've ever seen. Like he's holding like 40 pound dumbbar uh, the, he's holding 40 pound dumbbell on each hand and he's just jumping up like 45 inches and it's like <laughs> yes. what are you kidding me there's some truly iconic uh like meme photoshopped photos of, of dk metcalf standing next to tyler lockett out there on twitter it's like really funny and also like when he caught up with uh was it buddha baker who did he catch who did he catch on that one play where buddha like, baker yeah yeah like, buddha baker, where, <laughs> buddha down, baker yeah. is like Really, he's like five eight or whatever. And like, it's, it's like, that, like uh, that Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis pick. Do you remember the photo exactly, of the All Star exactly. game four years ago? DK, I don't mean to bring up baseball, sorry, but four years ago when Aaron Judge was at second base in the All Star game next to Jose Altuve. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, all the, and all the memes were just like these are the two leading guys in the MVP race. <laughs> all right, next up, DK. All right, who do we got next? All right, so Curtis Samuel. I guess I'm I'm sort of just taking the easy road here and talking about injured players, and sorry for that, but I think it is a, it is a variable that we have to consider this deep into the preseason now. Availability um, is the best ability. There you go. Cliche, but it's true. So he was 94 on our list. We've now dropped him down to 113. Um, I think, you know, he might, he might end up dropping a little bit more. We'll see, but it just depends on how quickly he can come back. He is now off the PUP list. Um, he had been nursing an injured groin basically the entire summer. So he has not practiced at all this summer. And so now the the issue is not him necessarily even just getting his grind fully healthy and ready to play. It's like conditioning. This is what uh, I think I heard Ron Rivera talking about the other day. It's like conditioning is a major issue. Everybody on the, else on the team has been practicing for the last like two months and getting ready and doing wind sprints, especially if you're on the Giants. Like imagine how <laughs> imagine how good how good shape the Giants are compared to Curtis Samuel right now. Um so I think that is a problem. And then obviously there's the fear that he could re-injure his groin. You know, groin is one of those tricky injuries where if you slip a little bit on the grass when you're trying to make a cut, like you could re-injure that, that, that um, really quickly and easily. Well, at least and Washington so, has really good turf. Didn't they get it? Did they get it replaced? I did think, I think I heard they got like field turf finally. And it's like, I think, I think they did. I just wanted a cheap joke. I'm not they had that. been was, like notoriously terrible turf. Um, and the other thing is, Ron Rivera last week said there's no timetable for his return. Quote, you'd love to see him catch a few reps maybe in the last preseason game, but we're not going to rush him out there. He's coming back. He'll be healthy. He'll be ready to roll. Maybe we'll throw him in the last preseason game. Like that to me is like a major red flag. Like this is going to be a process for a while. Um, so I don't know. That makes me really worried. Also, like 
from what we've heard, Terry McLaurin looks really good. Uh, Logan Thomas is ready to like tear it up. Even Adam Humphreys is getting some love as like a slot receiver option there. Um, so I don't know. And then like Steven Sims getting a little bit of hype. There's a couple other guys in this receiving core that have started to like, you know, make moves. And I don't know. It's just making me really worried that Samuel is just going to like start the season slow. have to work his way back in. Maybe have to work his back, way back up the depth chart. You got Antonio Gibson threatening to catch 100 passes. I don't know. I'm just starting to be a little bit worried. I mean, it's a groin injury for a speed guy. Like that sucks. Yeah. It's kind of just one of those things like what, like it just that's that's a challenge to the core proposition of why you want Curtis Samuel on your a team. A couple of months ago I would have been very excited to draft Curtis Samuel. I am not whatsoever excited to take him Curtis, out. The idea of Curtis Samuel is always better than the reality. Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna be tough. He's one of those guys who's now really hard to assess on draft day for like a fantasy league because you know he's talented. He like has a, his role kind of lined up for him in the offense, but he's hurt. Like he's gonna end up going for like a dollar in auction leagues or way later than he should. And he might work out really well, but I always have trouble drafting the guys who I know are talented but are kind of injured for week one. I never really know how far to drop them. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, if you go, this is where it's important to illuminate the difference between like a this auction or calling a salary cap now and a regular. So right now he's Curtis Samuel in like a redraft league's going around 105th overall. I don't think I would take him there. Like it's just there's too much. But if he's going for a buck or two in an like an auction, totally like, take him a buck or two. Who cares? Yeah, that's fine. All right. Well, but the pro- same problem though. Groin. When we're talking about groin injuries, like, dude, Rashad Bateman for the Ravens, man. This team. I mean, Rashad Bateman is this mm. first rounder. He was just, I think, really universally beloved as like this very underhyped guy. I don't think most college or the most casual NFL fans had heard of Rashad Bateman during the college football season. But he, people really loved him and went to Baltimore, which was already a downer because they throw less than anyone. Now he's getting groin surgery. He's going to be out. Maybe he plays week one, probably not. But even if he shows up, the point is he's a rookie who's now missing all the training camp. And that just never is good. It's never good yeah. for rookies to miss. And it's one thing for like a Devontae Smith. At least he was playing the SEC. But like Rashad Bateman, now he's on the lowest volume passing offense and he's missing time. That just sucks. And then you've also got Marquise Brown, who's still out with the same string injury. Sammy Watkins left injury today. We don't know what happened. It's Tuesday at 1.13 p.m. We don't know what happened with Sammy Watkins. Again, it's so, like, in a dynasty, sure, Rashad Bateman. But, like, this year, there were already so many knocks against him. For a rookie receiver to, like, miss that much time, it's really tough. Uh, I just, I I think, we, I think we've dropped him out. We dropped him all the way to 188th. It's like... He, he's one of those guys, like, leave him on waivers, and if he does yeah. something, pick him up then. The Ravens are having a rough training camp. So, Bateman's hurt. Marquise Brown is hurt. Uh, Lamar Jackson has been out with COVID, and he's just getting back in. Uh, they're having, they've got, who else is hurt? Sammy Watkins, of course, is hurt again. I think Marlon Humphrey got hurt. He's, like, their best defender. Jesus, man. It's like, they're snake-bitten already, so I don't know. This, Yeah, not looking good for the Ravens offense early on in camp. Nope. All right, next up, Craig. Dallas Goddard, follower for me. We have him as a tight end seven. He will be lower for me uh, when the next rankings come out. Until Zach Ertz leaves, I'm not mm-hmm. taking Goddard in the top seven, which is, like I just said, where we have him. Last year, Jalen Hurts, Goddard, and Zach Ertz played four games together. In those four games, Goddard had 24 targets. Ertz had 24 targets. He's kind of a hit-or-miss guy. He only had three top 12 performances last year at tight end. I'm speaking about Dallas Goddard. Add mm-hmm. in Devontae Smith. Zach Hurts seems to be healthy this year. I don't know. Dallas Goddard averaged 46 yards a game with Jalen Hurts. Like, that's not exactly something I want to spend, like, my 60th or 70th pick on in the middle when I can get somebody like Chase Claypool. Uh, I, I'm going to drop him into the Noah Fant, Robert Tunyon tier. 
uh, in our next rankings, I think. I think that's definitely fair. If I'm if I'm taking if I'm on the board, I'm absolutely taking Logan Thomas Logan Thomas over Dallas Goddard. I'm taking Tyler Higby over him personally. I'm taking honestly, I'm probably taking Gasicki, even though he didn't run a ton of routes in that first game. He did have two wow. catches in the preseason game, but like Wow, Gasicki over Goddard. I mean, honestly, Goddard, I think, is just there's so much up in the air right now. If if Ertz does get traded, things change. But it doesn't feel like it's going in that direction right now, does it? It doesn't feel like it's gonna happen. I, that makes sense, but to your point, I like Logan Thomas a lot more than God. I think Logan Thomas is yeah. that perfect, like late round, later round tight end that is worth the targeting because I think McLaurin leads that team in receiving. But like we were just talking about Curtis Samuel, I think Logan Thomas is clearly the number two option in that team. I was kind of fading Logan Thomas over the summer, and I traded him in one dynasty league, and I was just like, I don't know, because they're going to have all these other guys. They sign Curtis Samuel to all this money, but then they they re upped Logan Thomas. At least 30. It makes sense in a dynasty league. But for this year, I think Logan Thomas is a really good value. Yeah. And now it's just, to me, it just feels like it's trending towards he's just going to get peppered with targets. And so I'm like kind of regretting um, fading him during the offseason. Yeah. Craig mentioned Higby. I just want to shout out Higby for a second. I mean, that's a guy that you can just kind of get a crazy discount on based on what platform you're using. If you're in an ESPN draft, Tyler Higby is ranked like 140th or something, 150th. You can get Tyler Higby like 120th in an ESPN draft, no problem. Like I think Tyler Higby is a better chance to finish as a top ten tight end than Dallas Goddard does if Zach Ertz is I, on the team. The thing with Higby and with all these round the later round tight end picks is you kind of want the upside of like, can this guy pop? And the thing with Higby is again, as Craig mentioned, somehow, some way, the only I, the, the only tight end with four straight hundred yard games in a row, I believe. Yeah. And that was when Gerald Everett was not on the team was was out injured and he's not on the team anymore. You just throw in a dart that like, hmm, what if McVeigh likes to use Higby that way? And if he does then holy cow. And that's, that's, I, I also think he's more upset than Goddard. Okay, DK, you got another one for us? Yeah, so sticking with the Eagles, and, and I am going to say, I recognize that today, on Tuesday, Jalen Rager is the talk of training camp. He made this absolutely ridiculous one and a catch in the back of the end zone. It's awesome. Google that on Twitter or whatever. Google it on Twitter. Google Search it for it on Twitter. Twitter. No, don't go to Twitter. Go to YouTube because Twitter's stay bad off for your Twitter. Mind. It's bad for your health. Um, he he basically did this like fade in the background. It was like basically the Beckham catch where he just reaches up with one hand, plucks it out of the air. Um, this is the second incredible catch he's made during training camp. I'm not going to say that really actually matters, but it does feel like he's starting to get a little more um, confidence in, in himself and starting to get into the groove. So I say all this with a grain of salt. But we did drop down. We did drop Jalen Rager down in our ranks pretty significantly. Um, you know, Quez Watkins has been the star of camp. Devontae Smith is there, and he's, I think, going to be the de facto number one right away. Uh, there had been multiple multiple reports throughout training camp of Rager just basically getting his ass chewed out by coaches for doing this, that, the other thing wrong. Um, most beat reporters through the first couple of weeks of training camp had said he hadn't really been flashing, hadn't really done anything. Um, so, yeah, we moved him down, and I think that's probably the right move. However... Over the next few weeks, I think we could be talking about a reversal here. So just this is a guy to like, I think, keep on your radar. Obviously, former first round pick. Like he was their first round pick last year. They took him before Justin Jefferson. They clearly want to make him a big part of their offense. Um, I think he fits much better as a number two option than a like real alpha number one. Just use him on on the things that he's really good at. He's explosive. Use him on sweeps, screens, things like that. Get him in space. Um He's, he's he's showing an ability to win at the catch point. That's really exciting. So, I don't know. I think he's a guy that we moved down pretty significantly. But as of Tuesday, 
maybe I, it, that could have been like a little bit premature. So we'll see. I think he's just an interesting guy to kind of keep your eye on over the, over the next couple of weeks. To be honest, I would just leave him on waivers, and if he does something, I'd pick him up. Yeah. I don't really want to stay. Yeah, he's going to be a late-round pick regardless. So He's a deep yeah. league guy. He's a deep K. <laughs> All right. Well, that was <laughs> 10, guys. We got, we got to 10, but I'm going to just add the 11th because this is an important one. This is very important for everyone <laughs> yeah. listening. Do not tune out right now. Denzel Mims for the New York Jets receiver, who you mm. t- I never really liked. You two have been obsessed with Denzel Why Mims. did you like him? Uh, honestly, like I could give you reasons. The real reason is probably you liked him at first, and I just didn't want to just, like the guy you liked. He just he just zagged immediately. Okay, trying to make good content, you know, undisputed Skate Bayless. That style. makes sense. Yeah, exactly. take the other no, sense. I just yeah, exactly. It's you know what? Well, what, what, damn it, what's the tagline of the show? What undisputed? Yeah, shit, I forgot. You're not going to believe what Skip said today. That's the tagline. No. Denzel Mims. Anyway, <laughs> no, we're stick, we're staying on point here. Denzel Mims was practicing with the third team at the Jets. This is like one of their top picks, and we're like, what's going on? I don't know how we missed this. It was food poisoning. This is from last week. Pro football talk. I'm reading right now. Bad salmon caused Denzel Mims to miss most of the offseason program. Many players made the conscious decision to not participate in the voluntary offseason program in 2021, but one player wanted to participate, but got something got in the way. Via Andy Vasquez of USA Today, Denzel Mims lost 20 pounds after eating bad salmon the illness kept him from doing much in the offseason program quote it took a big toll on me mims said and no i haven't touched salmon ever since end quote the illness caused mims to fall from 217 pounds to 197 he's now back to 208 20 Mm. pounds for an nfl athlete is so much and he's only gained 10 pounds of it back i feel bad for this guy what a hero he just wanted to work out Dude, these guys are not like us. Like, these guys really feel it. Like, especially a receiver. Like, a three-pound difference is pretty big. 20 pounds for an NFL-wide receiver. That's like what people lose throughout 39 days on Survivor. <laughs> and they eat 100 calories of rice a day. Naked and afraid. Yeah. 20 pounds is not, like, that's like what a linebacker needs to become a defensive end. But honestly, sometimes it's like 13. So, Heifetz, has this changed your tune on Mims at all? Yeah, how could it not? <laughs> I no wonder he's on the third string. He lost twenty pounds. That's crazy. I'm like, I, I, I really want to buy this this narrative that it's the reason he's playing with the third team is because he lost twenty pounds because he got food poisoning from. By the way, the I saw a report. I can't remember who said it. Uh, it was sources said it was the Jets organization that gave him that salmon. <laughs> so it's just Oh my like God, are you classic, kidding me? Classic Jets. So it went from the Jets just being poisonous to them actually poisoning their own players? Literally poisoning one of their top draft picks from last year. He was a second it's too, rounder. Because he vomited for two weeks. Good Lord. As my, uh, my mom always said about football teams, you know, the fish rots from the head. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but I don't know. It doesn't really feel... so. I guess he is making his way back still. Maybe there's a chance that he's going to like work it quickly, work his way up. Feels like a midseason, midseason waiver ad. Yeah. He yeah. is still playing. He's still like the sixth guy in preseason week one. Well, he's still 11 pounds underweight. He's not even playing at his play weight. He was playing behind Jeff Smith and Vincent Smith. This is not, this is like alarm bells in my head still. Which to you gives you more hope? Denzel Mims being on the third string because he had because he had food poisoning or Jameis maybe throwing all the picks because uh, because he didn't have LASIK yet. Now he's got LASIK. <laughs> the LASIK thing makes 
the LASIK thing is just the funniest thing I've ever heard. Because it's like every every picture you see of Jameis, he's just like, like squinting a little bit, like trying to like read something that's really far away. You know what I mean? It's, Dude, it's yeah. Funny. Well, also, I, I couldn't believe it because when Lombardi worked here, Lombardi always joked that like he just thought Jameis was the best quarterback, but he just sometimes confused which team was wearing which colors. <laughs> He's just He's colorblind, like color, that's all. Colorblind. To then three years later, have Jameis be like, yeah, I need LASIK. I, I was was the most full circle. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. It, you do need oh to be able to see in order to play quarterback. Um, but no, I didn't think back to Denzel Mims. I'm not, he's not ranked, I don't think, right now for us. He's not going to be until he's playing with at least the second team, right? At least. Um, and I don't know. I'm just not super, uh, I'm not feeling super great about it right now. It just, it feels like there's too much in front of him at the point, at this point. Maybe, yeah, maybe midway through the season, he's a waiver wire ad. It doesn't sound like they're going to trade him. So it really just it involves him working his way back up and getting in front of some of the other guys. He did, I will say, he did lead the Jets in receiving yards in week one. Uh, however, he did not play until the second half, so it was against like third stringers, four stringers. So, um, well, he is a third stringer. Things have to so, change. You know, fair fight. Yeah. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Okay, let's go to some mail. It's from Mike. DK said he hates having to search to find out the owner of a fantasy team with their names. For my league, we make every team's abbreviation the owner's initials or shortening of his first name. It solves the issue without banning some of the fun like DK would surely prefer. Banning the fun. Make me sound like such a Grinch. Um, Energy vampire. I would prefer that, yeah. I'm into that. I, I I think a couple of people threw that at me at, on Twitter. Like they have to work their name into the pun, which I mean, hell, that's great. That helps me a lot. I just don't want to have to click on every goddamn team. Why does it really matter who you're playing? Do you need to know the exact name of every guy in your six team leagues who you're playing? No, I'm talking about like, so for instance, here's an example of what would happen is like, I get a text from someone saying, Hey, do you want to move so-and-so? And then I have to go in and ch- and click through every team, try and figure out who's on his roster no, just search the player, and then you find his team. I don't want to have to search anything. I just want to be able to <laughs> click on his team. Okay. But yeah, that is probably a good point. <laughs> wow. Did we just solve that whole thing right there? Jesus, are you kidding me? That was Damn easy. It. Holy shit. Okay. Well, that's... Wow. Uh, all right. Second part. For also from Mike. How much stock do you guys put into strength of schedule, given how much the league changes year to year? So... Mm. I thought good this is a good question. Yeah. So first of all, we talk about strength of schedule. The traditional strength of schedule stat that you see mostly on TV is based on like just the win loss record last year. Not very helpful. Doesn't take into account like I don't know last year the Bucks strength of schedule would not have taken into account you know Tom Brady replacing James Winston. So the thing we use Warren Sharp, uh, who does you know the podcast here at the Ringer, Warren Sharp looks at strength of schedule and really what you want to do is you want to look at really either people putting a lot of math into it or really just the Vegas win totals because the Vegas win totals are encompassing like everything about the team. It's way more info. It's way more accurate. So when you're looking at those ones, to me, what matters is the stuff at the extremes. It's the ones at the very easiest and the one very end of the, the, the spectrum. So like when the, I see that Warren Sharp has the Niners as the easiest schedule in 2021. Like by a lot. By a lot. <laughs> 
Yeah. That means to me, okay, we got to really look at this Niners backfield. It means to me like, okay, Trey Sermon, Raheem Moster, like figuring out what happens there is very important. Two, it also means, okay, well, maybe Trey Lance doesn't play off the jump because if the Niners start five and one, are they really going to bench Jimmy Garoppolo like the Dolphins benched Fitzpatrick for Tua last year? I'm not so sure. Those, that's what I think about. I think, you know, the Steelers you know, or Team X going from 18th to 14th means basically nothing to me. Uh, but the extremes and then also big jumps or no, no jumps like Cleveland had the easiest schedule last year. This year they have the third easiest. Okay. So like maybe Cleveland can make the playoffs again. Like those are, I don't know. What about you guys? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there is a lot of research that is done on, you know, the strength of schedule thing. And, and I think, you know, it's good. It's, I think it's especially good for like DFS in particular, like if you're going week to week. I don't have a strong opinion on it. I don't really pay attention to, to it, to be honest, um, just because I think there's so many other variables at play too. Like, is this guy good? Is he going to get snaps? Um, and it, that's hard enough to predict. It's, it's very difficult to predict what teams are actually going to be as good as you think they're going to be. So um, I guess it would just, I would just say it's lower, lower down on the, on the rung, on the ladder or whatever, in terms of what I'm actually paying attention to. In DFS, it's important with when you're talking about streaming players, it's important. Um, and, you know, obviously you want to have guys with good matchups, all that stuff, but full redraft stuff, I don't really pay attention. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't draft because of schedule, but I start players because of schedule and also to throw DK a bone here for last year. Like it's important for trade targets. Look at what David Montgomery did. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, it's stuff to keep in mind and it's, you know, something to consider, but it's not going to affect how I draft a player. Yeah, and like there's some players who have a tough start to the season and you're like, oh, maybe target. They're like the Colts. The Colts have a terrible start to the season, but if you want to target Michael Pittman, you know, after three weeks, you know, post that Rams game in week two, like that's something to keep in mind. The cousin to this is, do you guys care about bye weeks? Because I put zero stock into bye weeks. <laughs> no. Does anyone, I feel like we've all, as a as a group, came to the consensus that bye weeks don't matter. Like, is there any fantasy guy out there who who says it matters? I think some people, first of all, I think the fact that a lot of draft guides, including ours, like has it, I think just because people really want it. But to be honest, there's just a certain level of control. There's a certain level of control that you just have to let go of. And the idea that, well, <laughs> I have go to protect my lineup for week seven. I just, it's not, it, it doesn't matter. Maybe it's so far down the list of things that matter. It's so far from the center of the circle of things that matter. Let it go out into the middle of space. Don't keep it in your orbit. I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, but I almost like having all of my team's bye weeks on one week. Some people do that. That's that. Some people are like, oh, let me just take the L and I'm at full strength. And I'm like, just get good players, dude. Just get good players. Yeah. The irony, <laughs> just pick the right players. Yeah, pick good players. That's my, that's, <laughs> there you go. That's the hard hitting analysis. Okay. We have another email here. This is among the better emails we've ever gotten. Yes, it is. Tyson. 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 Tyson has compiled all of the musical acts that DK <laughs> has shouted out. Unbelievable feat from Tyson. Thank you, yeah, Tyson. This is insane. This is awesome. Outstanding work from Tyson. It's also exposed Danny Kelly. God it damn is it. exposed Danny Kelly. He, you know what Tyson is? You know what Tyson is? Tape grinder. Yeah, he really, I mean, Jesus. This is, in, this is incredible. So we're going back to November of last year. Here are the, <laughs> all the, the people that you can shout out. Who are you read whoa, 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 whoa. You're not reading all these names. <laughs> what the hell are you thinking? We're not. Okay. Well, I just want to shout out, like, look how mainstream he started. Yeah. Jay-Z, Kanye, Katy Perry, Beyonce, Mariah Carey. And then I believe we yelled Mariah. at him specifically for just being like, are you just looking at top streaming lists? <laughs> then he went Band of Horses, Weezer. <laughs> but then he's done 
Katy Perry twice. Unbelievable. Taylor Swift. Oops. Taylor Swift twice. I think he tried to do Jay Z twice. We did none at one point. Why did we? Do, we forgot to do it. Yeah, I, I guess we, we missed have. one. Uh, my Man. favorite one is the sea shanty TikTok phase that was <laughs> that sweeping the nation. That last quite like honestly, yeah. that is maybe my favorite thing to come out of this podcast this year is just discover the sea shanties. I actually listened to them for like the following two weeks. Yeah. They rip. Yeah, they, they do, do rip. rip. They They're rip. unbelievable. How many times did I do Taylor Swift? I feel like I did Taylor Swift like four times. Also, you shouted at Cole Beasley's rap career. That one didn't go that, quite the way. Yeah, that I, regret, age well. I regret that. <laughs> that hasn't aged well. Uh, Steely Dan. I like that you didn't even know who that was. Um, I've heard of Steely Dan. What the what hell do you, you know who Steely Dan, Dan, Dan is? I do. I don't know where he's getting that from. Oh, I feel, I feel like you guys... No, that's... Never mind. It's Stan Getz. You didn't know who Stan Getz was. Yeah, okay. That's a bit different. No, I don't know who Stan Getz is. Stan Getz is insanely yeah, famous. What? He's just getting... very famous. Is he more famous than Steely Dan? He's definitely not. Yeah, I, he is. 100%. He's a jazz saxophone. Stan Getz. Stan Getz is hundred percent more famous than Steely Dan. Who is Steely Dan? Do you even know who Steely Dan is? Yeah, they're like a massive rock band. It's, they're not a guy. They're a band. Is is there a Dan in the band? I would imagine so. Yes, but I can't name a Steely Dan performer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I just get? Did this conversation start with? with just making fun of me for not knowing them and then DK didn't know it was a band and not one guy. I know it's and a just, band. I know it's a that band. Is, they're I'm like one crazy, of the most famous right? yacht rock bands of like the eight, <laughs> 70s. Yacht rock. Yeah. So I'm dead 70s, 80s, 90s. They've been around a long time. Oh, I just find the term yacht rock hilarious. Um, no, I knew it was a band. I, it's, <laughs> I didn't think his first name was Steely. <laughs> <laughs> is not knowing yacht rock cause for termination at the ringer? But yeah, Bill would be extremely disappointed. Can we? Can Bill fire us for not I knowing know enough what about yacht, yacht rock? rock is? You guys are just freaking mates. You take jump into conclusions here. We need to jump. I actually still Matt. don't know who Stan Getz is. No disrespect to Stan Getz. I'm sure he's a legend. Okay. I don't want to do your dirty work no more. <laughs> what does Stan Getz sing? The girl from Ipanema. Oh yeah. Actually, it's not even him, but he's on. He's on that song. Can we shout out Clarence Clemens? I love Clarence Clemens. Sure. R.I.P. What's the worst band I I threw out here? Remember when you guys didn't know that David Hasselhoff was a singer? Okay, again, I really don't <laughs> think that should be held against us. I really didn't know that. <laughs> this is people that did not grow up in the 80s. It's kind of like kids right now are like, George Foreman was a boxer? <laughs> the yeah. grill guy fought people? Arnold Schwarzenegger was an actor? Was that like a, like a Logan Paul fighting Mayweather thing? Like he just fought Muhammad Ali? Like... <laughs> What? <laughs> I had a girl. I had a foreman girl. Those things were helpful in college. Anyway, yeah, we can move on. Thank you for you putting together this list. It's incredible. Yeah, thank you, Tyson. We this went down incredible. a just memory lane right there. We that should put fun. this on social media. To honor Tyson, Tyson, email us a band and we will shout them out on the next episode. Yes, 100%. Tyson, email us a band. All right. Thank you, Tyson. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. I'm going to just say thank you, Clarence Clements. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Chris Stapleton. Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. You Tennessee seen Whiskey the, the Man. Tennessee Whiskey, but the the one he did at the CMA like five years ago with Justin Timberlake. It's like a cross. It's two songs. I do. I, don't remember. I think I do vaguely remember that. I yeah. think I do too, actually. Uh, Chris Stapleton, Justin Timberlake. I think it's I Can't Drink You Away. Oh, yeah. That's that's on Justin Timberlake's part two of uh, his 2020 album or whatever that's called. I think it's Tennessee Whiskey, and then they transition into I Can't Drink You Away, and it's it's... Fantastic. If you mash up, it, mash up. All right. Also, while we're there, there's, you know, we'll save for another time. All right. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye. What were you going to say?
there's this incredible country. You know what? I'm just going to look it up. And if you keep all this in, it's fine. Uh, there's a country <laughs> music medley. And there's an incredible YouTube video that basically is like, you know how country music kind of all sounds the same? Like the, the ones that do the charts. Well, the like numbers? pop stadium country. Yeah. Does. So the stadium country. So there's a song called a country music medley. And they, uh, the exact YouTube video, if you want to look it up, is called Sir Mashalot. Mind-blowing six-song country mashup. If you look up Sir Mashalot, mind-blowing six-song country mashup. It is the number one country song from 2012, 2013, and then the two number ones from 2014, and then two, like the number twos from 2014. So it's six country songs from 2012, 2014 that all reach number one. And they, and they just splice them all together. And they work perfectly together. Like, they're all the same song. Well, what's funny about that is, did you watch Bo Burnham's uh, previous special called Make Happy? He has a country song oh, in it yeah. called That's Pandering. A, and he's like, all these songs are sung with the same, they have the same subject, the same four chords, and it's just the same bullshit. Cold beer, cold jeans, uh, strike that last one. Dirt road. <laughs> Dirt <laughs> no road. No Jews. Forget that I said that. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. Shout so out So check Burnham. that right. out. Is this going in the pod? By the way, St St Steely Dan, I just wanted to check on like who's more famous. Steely Dan, 5 million monthly listeners on Spotify. Dan, uh, Stan, Stan gets 2.9 million. So wow. Steely Dan okay. gets, gets the uh, nod on this one. And Oliver can't. Kind of surprised about that. Uh, no, Oliver can't because Stan Getz is significantly like an older musician than Steely Dan, right? Yes. Stan Getz is from, hold on, I'll see when he was If Stan born, Getz has 3 million users on Spotify, then like I would assume, uh, you know, I, I can't because that's actually a lot closer than I would have thought. Stan Getz died in 91. He was born in 27 and he was active yeah, that's, from 1943 okay. to 1991. So he was definitely like before your guys' time. <laughs> no, but, but that's actually an impressive, that's actually really close considering the age gap. That's actually yeah. very close. All right, cool. I'll give it to DK. All right, now we're actually going to end this. Goodbye, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.